Welcome to First Presbyterian Church in North Palm Beach, Florida. We exist to help people pursue and share gospel-driven lives. We hope whether you're investigating faith, a seasoned follower of Jesus, and anywhere in between, this podcast helps you connect with Jesus. The past few weeks, we've been in a sermon series called Following the King, where we've been following the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. Last week, Pastor Jared went through Mark 2, where Jesus not only healed the paralyzed man, but healed his soul. In Mark 3, Jesus continues preaching and healing people and forgiving sins, and he's been receiving mixed responses to the message that he's been going on. Now we are in Mark 4, where Jesus is with the crowd, and his disciples by a lake. And he does a teaching on a parable, on a series of parables, actually. The first parable is about the sower going out to sow his seed. And the last two are about the growth of that parable. Today, we're going to focus on the first parable of the sower sowing his seed. And at this point, up to the story too, people have been either receiving Jesus and giving up their lives to follow him, or some have completely rejected him. So let's join together now to read Mark 4, 1 through 2, 1 through 20, sorry. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown, As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes the word away that is sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still, others like seed sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. 
Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you today humbly, wanting to know more about your word. We pray that as we discover what you're saying in this parable that you would pierce each of our hearts to action. Let us be active listeners today. Amen. When I was younger, in my teens, my dad would stop me before I would leave the house. I would always sigh and huff because I knew he was about to tell me a story. You know that feeling when you're about to go somewhere and you're trying to leave and someone stops to talk to you and you know it's going to be a little bit? Well, imagine being a teenage girl on her way to see her friends. They're in a real hurry. So my dad would tell me this story about runners on a track and how some of the runners would lose stamina and fall away, but others would make it to the end of the race. I would just sigh and huff and try to get out of the room as fast as I can after he finished the story. But a few years ago, I stopped after he told me the story again, and I said, what does this mean? And he said, Sophie, friends are like runners on a track. Some, once they get on the track, will fall away, and they won't be your friends for life, and others will be your friends forever. And I just thought, okay, why didn't you just tell me that truth to begin with? Why did you have to tell me this whole story to get your point across? I just wanted my dad to tell me the point of the story without the story. My dad, with this story, was trying to convey to me a truth by using a real-life example. Jesus and parables are using real-life illustrations to convey a truth. And some people hear it, and they just let it go right over their heads like how I did. And some, the disciples, ponder it and follow up with Jesus about what it means. In the Gospel of Mark, this is the first and largest teaching we have of Jesus. And it's also the largest parable exposition, which is important. As I mentioned earlier, um, parables are a way that Jesus taught using real-life stories or examples that the people could relate to in order to convey a truth. C.H. Dodd shares this about parables. A parable is like a metaphor or simile drawn from the nature or common life, and it arrests the hearer by its vividness or strangeness and leaving the mind in sufficient doubt about its precise application to tease it into active thought. I think often people think that parables are supposed to make Jesus' message clearer. But as we see in our passage and in this definition, that parables often leave the listener asking more questions and it is igniting deep thinking. This is because there is usually a twist in parables. Parables were meant to be pondered over. The disciples in our passage actually follow up with Jesus about the meaning of this parable. 
even though Jesus used a real-life example that they could understand, parables required active imagination, active listening, and active thought. The message of the parables of Jesus all follow a common theme, the coming of the kingdom through the person of Jesus. And the parables are a teaching an invitation for people to see how this kingdom is at work in their world and ours today. Parables also create a break in the narrative. They tell us what has happened, what is currently happening, and what is going to happen. They clarify, you could say, like the main overarching point of what's happening so far. And so far in the Gospel of Mark, we're only in chapter 4, and this is a very fast-paced gospel. Jesus has been healing people, forgiving sins, and telling people to repent. He's been inaugurating himself as the Son of God, bringing the kingdom. In the passage before this, Jesus has been told that he has a power from Satan. Jesus has been receiving mixed responses to this message and kingdom that he's bringing. This is important as we look at this parable and see how it addresses the truth of its day. The coming of the kingdom and the mixed responses to that kingdom. Now let's ponder this parable together. Let's let it arrest us in wonder as we see the unexpected truth and twist of its day. The twist in this parable is the sower, the lavish spreader of seed. As some of you may know, I ride horses competitively. If you don't know, then now you know. But what this means is that I don't know anything about farming, and it doesn't mean I grew up on a farm just because I rode horses. As I was preparing for this message, my husband kindly reminded me that I don't have a green thumb, and that I am known to be a orchid and bonsai tree killer. <laughs> yeah, still with my little knowledge about farming, I can still see how this farmer seems irresponsible with his seed. It seems like a bad business decision just to be throwing seeds everywhere, no matter the terrain, for two reasons. One, the time it would take for him to go around to all of these different terrains and sow the seed, and two, the cost of letting your seed go to unfertile ground. Jesus, the people of Jesus' day, would know the terrains that Jesus is referencing, and they would see the waste. The twist in this parable is that the sower doesn't see this as a bad business decision. Who is this sower? Who is this lavish giver? It's the same person who in chapter 3 healed the man with a withered hand. And the same man who healed the paralyzed man in Mark 2. The same one that's been eating with social outcasts and forgiving their sins. Jesus. The sower is throwing seed, the lavish message. The seed in this parable is clarified by Jesus himself in verse 14 when he says that the seed is the word. And what exactly is this word? 
Well, considering that parables illuminated the coming kingdom and that Jesus is the sign of that happening, the word is Jesus. In the beginning of Mark, in chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus proclaims this. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus is the inauguration and sign that the kingdom has come despite it not looking like what anyone expected it to be. It's looked more like healing the sick, casting out demons, going against religious normalities instead of a total revolution. The kingdom hasn't changed the political situation of the day. The Romans are still oppressing the Jewish people. It's not Jesus raising up an army to overthrow and kill the powers of his day. Instead, it's Jesus letting himself be killed for his inauguration as king. The cross is Jesus' glorification. The kingdom of God is the new life offered to those to be made whole again. This is through the suffering on the cross that brings peace. This is the good news, the word that is sown, and the mystery all at once. The last aspect of this parable is the soil, which is lavish love. This parable is like a sandwich. The bottom of the bread being Jesus's parable to the crowds. The meat and cheese being like Jesus talking about the mystery of the kingdom and those on the outside to his disciples. And the top piece of bread is Jesus's interpretation of his parable to the disciples. That Jesus's interpretation is important in explaining the soils because it shows what the reception of the word has been so far and what it's continuing to be. The explanation of the soils tells the disciples and us why and what keeps people from having the word sown in their lives. Now we could go on a discussion, evaluating each one of our hearts and seeing which one of the soils we're most tempted to fall into. But this is a message about the lavish sower. I believe it's most fruitful for our purpose to see Jesus's character in this parable rather than evaluating each one of our soils. I believe we can spring more harvest like those of good soil by seeing Jesus's character. Our focus is on the lavish sower. Jesus's lavish love for us is shown through these soils. Let's go back to verse one and let this parable strike our hearts once more. Let's push against the people on that crowded beach and get a better listen to the word of Jesus. If you could put the picture up that we have, that would be great. There we go. Jesus looks out onto the crowd, so large that he has to get on a boat to teach them. Looking out onto the crowd, he sees soil. The word has been spoken to some, but to others they will hear it for the first time. Jesus knows that some will have ears to hear and others will not. Jesus begins, the farmer the sower of the seed, the seed that the good news of the kingdom is here, we can be made back into wholeness. 
the sower is sowing good, valuable seed. Seed, when sown into one's life and soil, is invaluable. The sower goes out onto his terrain and begins sowing seeds as much as he can in bliss. Not because he has to, but because he wants to. The sower begins dropping seeds in front of and behind him, knowing birds may come in and 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 eat them. Not judging the terrain, the sower continues and sees a rocky valley and he stops and he pours some seed and sows it into the ground knowing that when plowed there could be limestone underneath creating great soil. The sower is not concerned how many seeds he's sowing, he's just sowing as many as he can. The sower smiles knowing that this place might not look the best for a harvest but has potential when plowed. The sower continues along the path and comes across thorny soil and sows some seed along there. Still, through the lavish, generous sowing of the seed, some fall on good soil along the way. Is this sower irresponsible? Wasting good seed on seemingly infertile ground? No. The sower loves the terrain, all of it. All of the terrain is his and under his provision and love. The sower is purposeful where he sows his seed. The seed is never ending, it never runs out. There is no waste to the sower. The sower is the good news, the word, Jesus. I want to go back to Mark 2 after Jesus heals and forgives the paralyzed man. I want you to remember the context that we're in and that parables reflect what has happened in our present realities. And I want you to remember that we're on a lake with Jesus. This is Mark 2, 13 through 17. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Once again at a lake in Mark 2, Jesus planted a seed to Matthew. Not only did he plant this seed to Matthew, but he went into Matthew's house with other sinners and social outcasts who looked like thorny and rocky soil, and Jesus spread the word to them and ate with them. Why does Jesus eat with sinners and tax collectors? Because he's the lavish sower. The Pharisees who questioned Jesus, the social elites of their day, those who look like would be good soil, are actually the ones with thorns and rocks in their hearts. Lastly, I want to go to Mark 3, 
right before our passage, once again by a lake, Jesus appoints the 12 apostles, those in his innermost circle. Here's Mark 3, 14 through 19. He appointed the 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Bonerges, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Escarot, who betrayed him. Matthew is Levi, the tax collector from Mark 2. Matthew, once at a lake in Mark 2, who heard this word and was arrested by it and had it be sown in their life, is now in Mark 4, once again, by a lake, commissioned to preach that same exact word to others. The story of Matthew is not just unique to him. It's unique to all of the 12. All of the 12 looked like the type of people who would have thorny and rocky soil. They seemed like the most unlikely people that would be in Jesus' innermost circle. But this is not just their story, it's each of our story. The lavish giver of a lavish message of lavish love. As we hear the story of the lavish sower and let it take root in our lives, I want you to notice that those in good soil produce a harvest. Jesus invites us to be co-sowers with him, to see the generosity of Jesus in this passage and to let it take root in our lives means that we live it out. So what are you going to do with this word today? Well, Jesus is lavish sowing move you to accept the invitation to be a co-sower with him? How often in our Christian life have we not been extravagant in sharing the seed of the good news with others? Not only sharing who Jesus is, but walking where the sower walks, eating and being with people who look like thorny and rocky soil to us those who we consider to be social outcast, whether it's someone of a different political stance than you, ethnicity, the LGBT community, people in addiction, the homeless, someone of a different economic class as you, any of these people, any of the terrain that you think is rocky or thorny, Jesus loves all the terrain, all of it. And we are called to love all of the terrain too. If there are those of you who are here who's skeptical of Christianity or are new to it or would like to become a Christian, I wanna encourage you that the character of Jesus in this passage is that he loves all the terrain. He knows your terrain whether it's rocky or seems thorny, and he loves you. Not only does he love you, but the truth of his word is for you too. The parable of the sower. 
the reality that there is mixed reception to the word of the kingdom. The lavish sower continues sowing in spite of the reception. We are invited to continue sowing with him. Thanks for joining us at FPC. For more info and to connect with us, check out www.firstpresnpb.org.